Before we start today's show, let me introduce you to Kuoi Kyoto. Kuoi is a watch brand that was established in Kyoto, Japan in 2020. The brand was created with the vision of appealing a classic design from Kyoto to the world. They want people from around the world to enjoy high-quality classic design watches made in Japan. Kuoi Kyoto have been a personal sponsor of mine for a couple of years now and have decided to come on board to support the podcast. Kuoi watches fit me. I love them. They are of an absolute classic design, timeless even. Think designs, vintage, 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, in a normal size watch. And when I say normal size, I'm talking classic gentlemen's or ladies' watches. So check out their designs at Kuoi, that's K-U-O-E-N.com to check out their range of affordable made-in-Japan watches. everyone welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. Ajmal will be back online in a second. I just led today's show with some music from my youth and it is going to show my age. Midnight all, they're way ahead of their time and I love them so I wanted to share that experience with you. I've got another guest here with us today. G'day Joe Gauchi, how are you today? Very well Matt, thanks for having me here. Oh thank you. Um, the reason we've got Joe in is because Joe has recently been involved in starting a new Porsche club here in Western Australia. So I thought we'd get him in to have a chat and talk about how you go about actually starting a new car club. Well, Mark, I think um, look, the thing is we're the first independent car club that I'm aware of in, in Australia right now. So um, starting up a club, I guess the first decision we had to make was whether we really um, wanted to start one or not and what that looked like, whether it was going to be a formalised club, whether it was just going to be a bunch of guys who get together. But we decided to formalise it, I guess, mainly because you need to open up a bank account. Well, if you think with a bank account, you can um, hopefully get some sponsors and collect people's money and do nice things with it, money that benefits the members. So, um, yeah, we, we're on the journey of setting up a formalised club. Um, I'm not sure what it's like in, in the UK, and if Arjmal can talk, yeah, don't know, but, but uh, he'll be able to answer the question. So You should um, hear me now. We can hear we you can. now. Um, it's, so there's a process of incorporation that happens here with clubs. So we um, kicked that process off. I think it must have been early December, or, and um, it actually took... Um, you know, took a couple of weeks. It didn't actually take very long at all, and this is all in the lead up to Christmas. And then um, there are a number of other things which uh, we thought were important with the club, and that was uh, making sure we had something called concessional licensing, which allows people to register a vehicle which is a vehicle pre nineteen ninety at a very discounted rate. Um, so um, in terms of um, in terms of annual registration, I think it's about I think it's about twenty percent of the full rate. Um, and then it was a matter of getting everything lined up in terms of uh, a platform that members can use to um, be informed about events, to um, 
um, join the club to see what's going on in the club and um, partake in, I guess, in an electronic format. Cool. The rest of it's pretty easy. The rest, yeah. yeah. Let's let's come back to a bit more detail about the club in a minute. Sure. Ajman, what do you think of my intro music? I'm uh, you, like you said, you totally giving away your age. And, I'm okay with it. Um, it was it was an influential and, album for me. Ten to one came out in 1982. You're right. It has given me away my age. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting when it's my turn. Yeah, from my next youth. week, mate. Next Obviously, week it's going to be. Yeah, you know, you know, for me, it's going to be '90s trance because I'm so much younger than you. Uh, and <laughs> but I love it. I love it. And great to meet Joe. You did not tell me anything about Joe before he came came on. Um, but what an undertaking! Start a car club. That is a is a job in itself, isn't it, Joe? Like almost like a full time thing. Because if you're going to make a success, you've got so much background work to do. Oh, look, there is a bit of background work, but, um, you know, talking about music, Mark, I thought you'd play Power and the Passion because um, the, the name of the club is Power, so it's Porsche Owners Western Australia. That's what the uh, club name is. And uh, that, would been a, that would have been the right Midnight Oil song to play, but... Um, Same album. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Hang on, I've got, to, wait, I've got to interrupt you there for a second. When I was testing all the equipment and I was playing because my daughter, she actually quite likes that album because we listen to it in the car occasionally... And she says, Dad, can you play that song about passion fruit? And she met Power and the Passion. <laughs> close, close enough. <laughs> yeah, so accidentally played Drake, Passion Fruit, because that's got some, uh, you know, expletives right in the beginning. Yeah, okay. I'll keep that in mind. So, Archmel, you know, I guess in terms of an undertaking, it's certainly simpler than starting up a, you know, starting up a business, but a lot of the thought process is exactly the same, just trying to work out, you know, what, what the value proposition is to your customers or members in our case. And, um, you know, really what, what you're trying to deliver, what the objective is. So once you've got that lined up, going through the technicalities of um, um, all the formalisation of bank accounts and, you know, postal addresses and uh, whatever, you know, government tasks you've got to do in terms of applying for tax file numbers and this, that and the other, fairly straightforward. Setting up uh, the website, we found a we actually found a really great app. It's a Australian company, so if you know anyone uh, in the UK who wants to start up a car club, and you know, I've got a I've got the, uh, the contact uh, for the app. Absolutely, and uh, the feedback from members members so far is that it's bloody brilliant. So it's been um, it's been a great platform for us to grow on. Um, so members get to you know as I said they get to um, sign up, but they get to see all the events and get to register for events and take you know can take payments over it, etc. Um, so it's just been uh, been yeah. really nice. Now, Joe, tell. Let's talk about your um, personal car journey. Car journey. What's in the garage for you at home at the moment? I know what you drove here in. Let's talk about your Porsches. Okay, so right now uh, I've got a C two Guards Red nine six four manual, and uh, that is I use that as a daily drive. It's just a just a brilliant car, and it's my toy. I sort of when I say toy, not just for driving, but tinkering on. So I'm always tinkering on it. I rebuilt the engine on that car myself and I've done all the suspension work, so I've pretty much touched every part of the car apart from the transmission so far, which one day I'll get around to when it has to be done. But when the clutch so, is going to come out? Yeah, yeah. Well, the clutch has been out, so I've done the oh, clutch okay. when the engine came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, yeah, so that's all been done. But um, so that's that's uh, vehicle number one. My very first Porsche was a Boxster AS981, which oh, was yeah. a brilliant car, really good. The only problem with it was um, I sold it at a time when Porsches weren't, worth as much as what they are now. And I just pulled out a document today. It just um, was my filing cabinet. That reminded me of how much I sold that car for. 
Tell us. 981. It would have been a while ago. Um, it was sold about, what would have been now, probably about three years ago. What do you reckon? Oof, Ashmel, 981. Oh, actually, it won't even be relevant. You're, you're going to think it's going to be worth about £4,000, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> not far off. I, re- I reckon 55. Yeah, 60 grand. That is a bargain for a 981 boxer today, Absolutely. isn't it? It's a lot of cars yeah. you know, for, for that price. So I keep Manual? A, no, it was an auto. It was a PDK. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so there's that, but that's gone. I wish I kept that car. Porsche-wise, the only other one is uh, GT3 Touring um, in A8. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a brilliant car. You know, it's, it's just uh, such a lovely which, car to which, drive around town. Which generation is it? It's 991.2. So it's oh, nice. um, if you believe the local carsales.com, our local sort of sales platform, there've been a few ads recently and they reckon there's only about nineteen or eighteen or something sold in Australia, which Is I find hard all? to believe. That's what they reckon. Well that? now that could just be, you know, their, their sales pitch to uh, get a better yeah, price. Yeah, to try and get a better price, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, if that's the case around, you know, it, it's a fairly rare vehicle in this country anyway. You don't see them very often. No, and that car was an interesting purchase because I when I I bought that car when I sold my business, so it was a bit of a toy for myself. Yeah, it was, yep. a, it was a reward at the end of at the end of a journey. And I um, can empathise. Hey, I can empathise. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hadn't planned to buy it. I actually planned to buy a GTS, and I Wasn't. went into the Porsche Centre in Perth, took this GTS for a test drive after waiting for one to come in, and I didn't like it. And this is coming off the box to S, which I had at the time. Sure. And I'll probably annoy a whole lot of people who've got GTSs right now. But um, I just found it had turbo lag. Yep. So, um, and I spoke to the um, uh, the, you know, the guy from the Porsche Centre who took me for a test drive, and I said, he saw I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. And he said, you're a naturally aspirated guy, hey? I said, I guess so. And uh, he said, what about GT3? And at the time, you know, to me, a GT3 was a car with a big wing, which... I wasn't, into, I wasn't all that track focused at that time, and I thought, no, nah, don't want the wing. He said, well, there is this other model coming with no wing, so how about I stick your name down for that? And that's how I ended up with the uh, GT3 Touring. Why Agate Grey? So how long... I'm oh, sorry. I was say, how long ago was that? Oh, it was... Um, I picked the vehicle up... Three on, years ago? Yeah, three years ago. It was, it was uh, 2018 Christmas Eve pickup. Let's, let's come at five oh. years ago, Joe. It is, isn't it? <laughs> Time moves on, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you had a full head of hair that then, must didn't be... you? I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> so that must, that must be... So looking at those cars now in Australia, yeah. <laughs> when you see those cars for sale, you must look at those prices and think, wow, compared you know, to what you paid for yours. It, yeah, absolutely. But it's... And look, I don't think I'm the only Porsche owner that's probably got this view. It's Look, it's nice seeing your car go up in price. The only problem is that um, you sort of half wish it didn't because, you know, every time I, I, I take the car on the racetrack and you sort of wish it did go down in price a little bit because I, and I think this is a common problem you see with a lot of car ownership, not just Porsche ownership, where vehicles have gone up and it represents, um, represents a high proportion of some people's um, uh, net capital. And, you know, I'm not sure... Mark, um, there's, we've, we've had a, a joint, historically we had a joint uh, racing competition or um, track day 
with the General Motors or, or Holden, we call here, Holden Special Vehicles Group. And you can see it affecting that group where these, they've got these cars which were affordable cars, which are now worth a fortune and are not taken on the track anymore. Ajmal, now, to, sorry, Joe, yeah. Ajmal, to give you a reference, the cars he's talking about is the, um, is the uh, like the Vauxhall VXR, those types of cars. Yeah. Yeah, big six and a half litre, dirty, great big pushrod V8s that, Yep. Punch out stupid horsepower and don't go around corners that well, and the brakes only last what two and a half laps, Joe. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but incredible fun to drive. Oh, incredible yeah, fun! Right You've got to leave black marks on the road. Yeah. That's your car. Yeah. So look, it's great seeing your car go up in price, but at the same time, it has a downside. I think to a lot of people who stop driving their vehicle. Now, I don't stop driving mine, but I'm sure a lot of people decide to mm-hmm. keep it in the garage and make sure it's got low kilometres, but. My view is if you've got a car, it's meant to be used. The interestingly, yeah, so it on, on that an asset, on, doesn't it? Yeah, on, on that topic, I'm in a pretty similar situation with my three five six. Absolutely. You know, like I bought that before. Whilst it was a lot of money to me at the time, yeah, it's a lot less money than that its car's value is now. And people often say to me, "I can't believe you're driving it." Mm. Like I can't believe you don't want to not drive it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's how I feel about it. You know. Well, what do you do with the vehicle? I mean, it sits in your garage and you polish it If you want art, buy a Ferrari. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like, seriously, yeah. it's, you know, I've, I drove, you know, Ken Nakaseko quite well. Yeah. He's um He's got a 458 Speciali that he, you know, let me have a drive of the other day. And he, the kid gloves that come on for him around that car. And it's not, it's just the whole idolizing type thing. Yeah. Lovely guy. You know, very generous with his time and his cars with me particularly. And it was he introduced me to the, to the car that I actually ended up buying, or not right. that particular car, but that model. Like I yeah. did a video on a 981 GT4 that he had at that time, and I thought, yeah, well, we've got the opportunity. This is the car for me. Yeah. And, and it's after driving GT3s as well. But anyway, that was a um, – it's a interesting – it's a good question though, but as I asked before, why agate grey? Why not some loopy colour or – what, what, it like goes under the radar a bit as it, a. It does like not having the wing goes under the radar. Yeah, and, and plus then then you you're going into one of the uh, the um, monochrome colours as well. Yeah, uh, exactly right. I mean, look, the inside has got uh, red gauges and red stitching, so I've livened up the inside. Yeah. I think the outside deliberately, you know, low yep. key. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely low key. That's yeah. Good. Yeah, and like I guess it's one of those cars, Ajmal, that if you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. when you see it out yeah. there, you know. Oh, the, the, I, I love the nine and one is is um, I like it because it, it it didn't get it's not as big as the nine nine two. It just <laughs> nothing's it, as big as the nine nine two. I was right? no, but I was um, I went to um, a Porsche Classic event at the UK headquarters of Porsche at the weekend, and they had all of the brand new cars there, but then they had all of these amazing classic cars, which belonged, some of them belonged to customers, some of them belonged to Porsche GB. And um, when you're stood next to a, a, a 911 GTS, a 992 brand new one, it doesn't look as massive when it's sat in a showroom, but when you sit inside it, or when you see it parked on the road relative to other cars, or if I see it parked next to my 996, they look huge. And, you know, even when I speak to people who sell them, they say that, you know, it's anyone can just jump in and drive it. Whereas, you know, when they were air cooled, they were they, they were the sort of the preserve of the enthusiast. Yeah. 
who would, they were a little bit more awkward to drive, but they were so much fun and you drove them for fun. Whereas now, like any modern car, you could just jump in and anyone could drive it and anyone could, you know, just go commute in it, for example. But it's, which is good, which is good because more of them will be out and about assuming that people can get them and the two years that it takes to take delivery of a new one. Mm. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're huge. Oh, and Mark, before we move off the prices, I've done my homework this time. You haven't. I have. Okay. Explain to Joe what the homework is. So Mark and I did, uh, we were going to go and talk to our local dealerships or look up online and just take a total base of brand new 911 Mm -hmm. and see what the finance deal you could get on it and what the price would be. The cheapest you can uh, have a monthly payment on a new 992 Carrera base. No options. Yep. So I've got the, so it works a little bit differently. So over here, because over there you get, it's almost like you're getting a, a loan, whereas here it's a, um, I think it's a payment contract plan or something like that, sure. where you get it over three or four years. And at the end of that three or four years, you either hand the car back and you walk away, um, or you hand it back and you just take delivery of a new one and keep paying, or you have this massive balloon payment. And you own the car outright. What is the mess? What you mean um, say so, balloon payment? What are you talking there, Rajmal? Is it a is it a percentage of the car as a value when you buy it, or is it a an agreed amount up front? How does that work with PCP? Well, it's it's the so they take the total value of the car. Yeah. Then you add the finance amount on top, and then how much they think you've paid off oh, by that point. That is a the remainder amount. you then pay. Yeah. You just about pay um, for the whole so, car again. Uh, yeah. Oh, at the time when when the when it's time to hand it back or make that balloon payment, there's always that chance that the car's going to be worth less than that m- amount that you owe. Sure. Which is why people end up giving them back. Got it. And then saying, "I'll just take a new one." Yep. So it's just um, long term so rental bonds, of it. Exactly, but it doesn't include servicing and maintenance or anything. You have Got to it. pay that on top, yep. including insurance. Okay. How much? Um, so, uh, so okay. So I've done it um, over. 48 months. Yep. Uh, thank you to Tina for doing this for me. Uh, the the price of the car without any finance on top is £91,870. That's higher than I expected. So that, um, I thought it's it was going to be close to about £85,000. It's, it's gone up a little bit um, in the last few weeks, I think, because the published price hasn't does, isn't reflected in what sure. I got from the dealership. Um, so you've got to pay a five thousand pound deposit. Yep. Uh, which leaves eighty six thousand eight hundred seventy. Uh, the charges on top. Now I, I'm not sure I know what this means, but there's a there's a charges on top field which is thirty one thousand, and I think that's the finance cost. Thirty one thousand pounds on top. Yeah, because yeah, it's ten point eight percent. Well, well, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Keep rolling. So you're then left with a balance. after your deposit, you're left with a balance of one hundred eighteen thousand six hundred twenty-two. Yeah. So then you've got forty-seven monthly payments of eleven hundred ten pounds. That didn't work out that well. When, I think on the conversion we did, it worked out to sixteen hundred pounds from the Australian one, wasn't it? it was fifteen eighty or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, something like that. So it's about 500 pounds so, difference. 
But the value of yeah. the car, the buy, the purchase price value of the car is significantly different. But like you said, it is also, more like a loan here with the way we do it. Yeah, and it was it was over was it over seven years? Yes, yeah, seven years. Yeah, one that you said. Hundred yeah. percent, it was. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that was with a fifty so percent the end of, at the left. Wow. No, yeah, fifty percent loan in the car. Over seven years, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I guess if you reflect on the last seven years in terms of appreciation of vehicles, you might have actually done very well out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and but also the so you've after after four years, forty eight monthly payments, yes. and your five thousand deposit. You're left with sixty six thousand four hundred and thirteen to pay. And that's how much you pay. Or how much you pay to take complete. Yeah, to, to take total ownership of the car, um, and okay. that's at that point you've paid one hundred eighteen thousand pounds plus five five grand. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, you know your repayments. How much did you say it was a month? Eleven hundred ten. Eleven hundred ten. Oh, by the way, there's a there's a there's a, a limitation of five thousand miles a year as well. What? So that period. So if you hand it back and you go, I don't want it, you have to pay thirty three point nine pence per mile over, over five thousand. Five thousand. So yeah. eleven hundred and ten times forty eight plus the five thousand plus sixty six. Thousand. So yeah, mine was eleven ten times forty eight plus your five thousand. What else was so your it? total amount? Plus sixty six. Sixty six thousand four hundred and thirteen. Yeah, so you're about one hundred twenty five thousand pounds. Drive away, no more to pay. One hundred twenty three and one hundred twenty and a half. Yeah. Okay. And that is compared to the ninety six. That you came in at was that right? Was that the number the buy price initially? The stop the ninety one thousand eight hundred ninety one thousand. Sorry, okay, not bad. So that that that, but the thing is that's so that's a base career, right? So that's going to have depreciation, poverty pay, you know, from the off. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you were getting a career at S, for example, yeah, you'd go on a waiting list. It would take a long time, but when you got it. And you said I'm going to keep it for a year, and then I might take it back to the dealership. Then you're, in all likelihood, going to get your money back. But if you've got it on that payment plan, any increase in price you don't get the benefit of because you don't own the car. Ah, interesting. So you'd have to buy it outright. Okay. So you'd have to buy it outright with a loan from the bank. You'd get a better monthly percent. You'd get a better percentage rate. Yes. And then you could go back after a year and say, actually, I want fifteen thousand pounds more than, you know, the retail price. And then you'd make that make some money and pay the percentage on the loan. I um I'd be interested to hear from the listeners because I don't really know this one these brand new cars. How long until they bounce back up again? You know, like if you buy a new base Carrera, how mm -hmm. long until of ownership will it be worth? Until it'll be worth more than you paid for it? Is it a Three-year thing? Is it a five-year thing? Is it a ten-year thing? Do you think it's a thing? I don't know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a base career award. Yeah, well, it has been historically. It has been, yeah. You know, so, like, if you buy a, if you bought a brand-new 996 in Australia, which, I could be honest with you, I don't know how much they're worth, but I'd be guessing around 140-ish. They still haven't hit that number again. You know, 
Or a C4S, it probably is, right? But it's really touch and cloth, so it's been 25 years. Wait, I've... wait, wait. Are you saying that the 996 is is now, just in pure in terms of numbers, not taking inflation or anything that in, like that into account? Yes. Buying it brand new in 1998, for example, yep. that price that it was in 1998, it's now coming back up to that price towards it. Pretty close to it now, I reckon it would be. Would you agree, Joe? I guess so. It yeah. wouldn't be far from it. But, yeah, I'm talking about a really I good I can't... one. Yeah, but still, I mean, when you think about even even a really bad one is not a million miles away from that in Australia, whereas over here, double. obviously... You know, like the worst example here, and I the best bought... example, like the worst example is probably 60 to 70 grand and the best example would be 140. So let's just say the worst example is worth 50% of what it cost retail 25 years ago right yes yes so over here four years ago for a crusty example i paid 10 percent of what it cost brand new but that's just you poms you can't help yourselves these are all tight it, it was your cars are too cheap it, it was we had this discussion last time and a bit of rust up there yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but it was it was sixty five thousand pounds brand new in 1998 yeah and i bought it for six and a half thousand pounds um, now, I'm not saying even believe if it's worth. 10. Like your car's definitely worth a good seven now, right? <laughs> no, maybe six, <laughs> just under seven. Um, but let's say it's worth twelve now. Yeah, probably, probably like it's somewhere between ten and twenty. You can clean it up. Right? Yeah, so if let's say it's twelve, right? So or thirteen, then it's worth twenty percent of what it was. Um, it, what it was in 1998. So I reckon here in Australia, worst example is worth fifty percent. That's mad. But it, but is that something to do with, does the luxury thingy tax carry through that the life of the car? It does, uh, it, it to a certain does. extent, It definitely right? does. Yeah, it definitely does. That's, yeah, but that's, a, that's a, not a great percentage of a, a car of that value. If you, bought a new, if you bought a new 992 today, that LCT is a much bigger figure because the car is so much more expensive and the LCT threshold hasn't changed proportionately over that period of time. But so I know we talked about this before, but I guess there's still value. And if you could find a good example of importing one right now, because they're over 25 years old. From the UK? Don't give me the rust thing. I know there'll be ones that aren't <laughs> rusty. <laughs> Joe, do you has ever been a car from the UK that's not rusty? Look, I look at the 964 forums quite a lot, and you see a picture underneath the UK car. Yeah, it's pretty grim stuff, isn't it? I believe it, you know? Not even, sing news, eight, not even Singer will take the bodies out of the UK. What's that telling you? They strip them back to bare metal. That's the 964s. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> They're out of their galvanised guarantee. I've got, I've got a mate who bought a 993 out of the UK. What, mm. 18 months ago? He's since migrated to the east seaboard and the car's still been 12 months in the workshop, still getting metal repairs. And See, mine, mine it was is, well, inspected as perfect. See, mine is only 25 years old and it's probably just 30% rust. So <laughs> it's, you know... <laughs> it's full Fred Flintstone model. It's, it's, so it's you know pretty decent, but it's not. I've had a look at my thing is my Boxster that I had the Boxster, yeah, which was awful. Uh, that did have rust, quite a lot of rust. Uh, whereas my nine nine six, 
has some rust, mostly because it's happened in my care because I haven't been washing it. Uh, but it's not structurally got any rust on it because you know. they get inspected once a year. You, uh, no, but they inspect it once a year quite thoroughly. They right. do not. It's never highlighted thoroughly. No, they do. They do enough. They just do the structural stuff, yeah, and okay. they just highlight anything that's non-structural. They just highlight, mm-hmm. but anything structural, you have to go away and get it fixed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've not even had an advisory to say, "Oh, you might want to look at this later." Um, so that I think on a twenty-five-year-old, yeah, you kind of thing, you're okay. No, I don't. I don't know because if you live by the sea, then then you're basically screwed. It doesn't matter what car you have; it's going to rust. Well, both Joe and I actually do live by the sea. In fact, I think Joe lives closer to the sea than I do. <laughs> so he's nine six four. Probably is as bad as the UK we import right now. Anyway. No. No, you don't think yeah. so. Hey, you don't think so. Uh, my nine six four is no. There's not a not a hint. That means yeah. Look, he's he's talking to us like it's about to go on the market. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that car's not, never going to market. No, I, I do, I do see, um, I do see a lot of people use their cars throughout the winter. You know, driving them in the snow. You know, if there's a guy on Instagram that you see as a photographer, uh, Simon Medlicott, just he he had a 912. He's now got um, a 911 from the 60s, early 70s, and he's just driving it in the snow, driving it all year round. And I, I see him at events and I said to him, look, how do you do that? How do you do that? And it stop it rusting like crazy. And he went, you just make sure you wash the salt off it. Don't put it away wet with covered in road salt. Okay. Um, and he's never had that kind of problem because he's, he's obviously gets maximum use out of it, but then also makes sure that it's not sat in his garage wet, covered in salt, rusting. A lot of people think, oh, as long as it's garage, it's fine. But it's not if you've been out and it's covered in salt underneath and it's wet. It's always going to rest rust from the bottom up. Now, I've, I've, talking about 912s, I've actually had someone reach out to me, a friend of yours that's considering an intervention with you. Oh, really? Regarding the condition of the 996. Fellow 912 owner. I'm not going to give his name away, but he may take photos. Okay. Right. And he's genuinely concerned that your car is going to start falling apart any minute now. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's not. He, he doesn't, it's, he doesn't believe you deserve in. the car. He doesn't think that you're uh, looking after it like it deserves to be looked after. And you, you shrug it off with a laugh and a giggle, suggesting that just because I use it, that's why it's in that condition. He says, it's just, that's not cutting it anymore for a classic Porsche. I've done I've done four hundred miles in it since yesterday. So my mum lives a hundred miles from where I live, but I went for work and I drove sort of two hundred and fifty miles to get there, one hundred and fifty miles back to my mum's. I've got a hundred mile journey later today back home. Um, and so in the last probably three weeks, it's done sort of fifteen hundred miles. All he's asking um, is but you, next month he's just asking for you to get a detail. That's all he's asking. Well, next month it's getting detailed. It's getting properly, you know, machine polished, properly cleaned, and then I'm going to go and see Bryant at Rint Vehicle Design. Yeah, yeah, and, and get that him, dent and rust fixed. Can I have? Yeah, get get that dent and rust fixed, and send the bill to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Joe. Doesn't know. My wife, my wife, uh, scraped it on a concrete bollard in her work car park. <sighs> And but she scraped it over the one bit of visible rust. Oh! And she said, "Don't worry, I'll get it fixed." 
<laughs> she said, don't worry, I'll get it fixed. And I thought, oh, yes, she's going to get the rust fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll get that done. And then uh, I'll get some new mats to the interior, get the get the, um, the leather sort of treated. Oh, yeah, very nice. Um, and it will be... Might even vacuum spine needles out of it still. But they're going to get done during the, the detailing, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, so these are pine um, needles from a Christmas tree, not the Christmas gone, but the one before, Joe. You got a Christmas tree in the car. Oh, he was sticking out the sunroof. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. It was like a seven-foot seven foot tree <laughs> that was sticking out the sunroof. <laughs> this is what we're dealing with here. My, my, <laughs> my um, daughter found that very hilarious. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, um, Joe, if we can just go back to the club for a second. Sure. The club started just before Christmas. I can't remember the day we incorporated, but, you know, I guess we started, um, I think we received our first members just before Christmas. So it all happened, you know, I guess from from agreeing with the guys and there's, you know, there's a few guys involved and I think working as a team, we got a lot done very rapidly. Um, it took about three minutes from, sorry, three minutes, three weeks from inception to um, taking memberships. So we're at the 22nd of... February today. Yes. How many members you got? 170 something, which is not something we bargained oh, wow. on. So How does that happen, Ajman? 170 members in two months for a new car club. I know. That's like, that's that's about 118 more listeners. They're more than the listeners we have. <laughs> <laughs> Look, hey, the only, re- the only reason we've got Joe here is to hopefully get all those members to listen, right? So we can actually increase our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be amazing! <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife will be listening anyway. Oh, good, good, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but, um, no, Louis... but one of the things, that sorry, I was just going to say on 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 the if you were to do an let's say you're doing an advert mm-hmm. for the club, and because you know as clubs grow, you get the benefits of you know you you get discounts from certain retailers, you get um, you get access to certain events, that kind of stuff, and and as it grows, you're going to you're going to do those things. If you were to do an advert for it now, and you know you're going to get four new listeners, obviously not including your wife. Um, that, <laughs> then what, what would you tell to those four listeners to get it up to one twenty six or whatever? Well, look, when you talk about getting discounts, um, I'm not aware of a, uh, a discount apart from the local Porsche dealership that apparently gives people ten percent discount on parts. Apart from that, unlike the uh, UK club where you've got, I think you've negotiated discounts with, um, I don't know, BP or some fuel fuel outlets, or, but um, there's nothing like that at even the formalised clubs in Australia. So, you know, I, I think, you know, really the, the value proposition of, of our club is it is a very simple club that's, that's trying to remain contemporary, that's focused on um, getting a bunch of like-minded people uh, together have fun without any complications. Um, you know, one, one of the issues with clubs is you can, they can get bogged down with complications regardless of whether it's a tennis club or a golf club or something. So we're trying to keep all that out of the club, but we've got a whole lot of very passionate individuals. Um, in fact, you know, I was just having a look through our events calendar. You know, we've got a problem at the moment. We've probably got too many events and we're probably drowning our members with um, just so many different events per month. Um, but, yeah, I guess our first objective was making sure we ticked off, uh, you know, all the boxes with 
um, you know, making sure that uh, all the members had the benefits they would have with any other club. So we've ticked that off. Um, but apart from that, we've just got a newfound enthusiasm and passion. So we've got, um, you know, we've got a bunch of people heading off to the Singapore Grand Prix later on this year. So we're doing it. You know, we're really wow. um, heading off in many different directions in terms of the events we're, we're doing. Um, one of the things which we're not doing is we don't have many meetings in our club. So, you know, we've got a, a mandatory, you know, you've got to have the incorporated club. You need to have one AGM per year. But that's about it. So we're taking the meetings out and putting the social in where the meetings are with some other clubs. So what's the promo? The promo is about simplicity, getting back to the reason people join clubs in the first place, which is to gather with other crazy Porsche people to work out what to do with their machine if they're new to Porsche, um, both on track and, and road use and driver training, um, but really just to get a bunch of people together uh, in the same room um, having fun together. I think that's that's sort of the fundamentals of uh, that, Porsche Club. That's, that's a, I think that's a good good tagline. Yeah. Porsche-related fun together. Absolutely. The, um, on the... Sorry, it's all about membership. I, I just didn't cover off on that. So with the, with the member numbers, when we started at this club, we, I guess like with a business, you know, it's very easy to work out what your costs are when you're starting a business. What's difficult to work out is what your revenue stream is going to be, how many people are going to actually sign up. Yep. So your first objective is to make sure that your costs are going to be covered with memberships. And, you know, we thought, yeah, we might get 50 people. That was our objective. In fact, we said if we get 75, we'd be wrapped. So to have almost 100 over that, we're a little bit confused as well why so many people have uh, joined. So Look, as uh, pleasantly, pleasantly confused. As, as a person that's joined the club, myself, right, and... Um, there's obviously the formal Porsche Club here in WA as well, which is, you know, the factory-approved club, so to speak. I just think the popularity of the club is purely through an appetite for more engagement with other people in the cars, mm -hmm. you know, so that there's more things you can do yeah. with fellow enthusiasts. And this is just proof that that was there and... The cost of joining another club and all that sort of stuff is so small in the cost of the lifestyle that comes with that with that motor car. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, and look, there are some people I know. You know, just in terms of track access, we provide track access. The other club provides track access, and people want some people want a lot of track access. A lot of so track, yeah, right. So um, yeah, I think I think it's um, we're a new player in town, but we'll you know uh, we're providing our own flavour of product. Some people, you know, might just like that product. Some people might like the other product. A lot of people like both products. Yep. Or, or at least the, cho the choice of choosing which of the two products are available at any Absolutely. moment of time. And I think really that's where the, um, if anything, of this whole experience as a club member myself, yeah. seeing that there is, I think the, um, the desire today is very different for a Porsche enthusiast to what it was 10, 15 years ago as a Porsche enthusiast. You know, I think the, the engagement level of popularity, the brand, the, um, the, the type of person that buys the cars today is very different to the person that bought them mm. 15 years ago. So I think there's a number of factors here that are all combined to create a, you know, I guess a space in the market for another social outlet. Absolutely. Ashmael, we, Joe and I, mm. we're at the track yard on Saturday doing a time attack event. Oh, yeah. 
I mentioned that we were going mm-hmm. to be doing. I was going to be doing that, and Joe was there as well in his car. And him, I think we had what, maybe fourteen, fifteen members there. Was he, Joe? Uh, I think it was more than that. I think it was sixteen or eighteen comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Of the of the club, it's part of a big part of the WA Sports Car Club event. But yeah, having all those members pretty much together, all lined up at in the in the uh, carports here at the track, it was it was pretty good, wasn't it? It was great. Yeah, it really was nice to see. It was. Um, you know, just with the club once again, we actually didn't plan to have a proper sporting series this year. We thought we most members would want it exposed to the track. And initially we spoke about, you know, maybe having four or five events on a track. And then we've linked into another competition, which has given us that access. But, um, yeah, the, the interest has been very, very high. Yeah. Yep. And the, um, what's, the, what's the massive, is there a massive variety of cars that, that were at the event? Look, there's everything from uh, sort of uh, early air-cooled uh, 911s, you know, RS replicas and things, right up to a GT2 RS and cup cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the, um, well. I think it's really surprising, as well, is how close in time in the, um, with the, it was quite hot. Like, I think out on the track it was up in high 30s. Yeah. Maybe even low 40s at some point during the day there. So it was a hot day out there. So where the track's actually located near the Perth Metro, the area place called um, Wanneroo Raceway, it is inland probably about 10, 15 kilometres. So, and it's sort of like on the back of a hill. So there's very little exposure to a breeze or anything like that. So it's a pretty exposed place with hardly any trees either. So it's a hot place surrounded by a lot of sand, right? And the... Um, I was really surprised at how close in time the GD2 RS was to the cup cars. And, you know, the driver of the GD2 RS, it was, uh, I think it was his first... Yeah, first day on day. a track in that car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, oh, no, he's an experienced track driver. He's had other cars, other Porsches, but this is the first time in that car, the GD2 RS. Oh, and, like, and what did you... Watching it, it was like what him trying to think he was... Um, coming around some of the corners, he thought he was a drift champion. I think he was uh, pretty loose and loosey goosey out there in that car. Yeah, and so, clearly a lot of power and the speed down the straight. I mean, he was, oh, yeah, um, just, it was amazing to watch. Yeah. Wow. No, I was just going to say, Mark, did you uh, turn the air conditioning off for that extra tenth of a second? No. Hadn't had the air. I had like I would hate to have been in a car without aircon. <laughs> You, you could tell uh, all the uh, cup car drivers and some other drivers, they were sort of sitting waiting to take off with their doors open and yeah. just flapping their doors yeah. like yeah. And putting the helmet on at the last second as well, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is sat there with their air conditioning. Yeah, we both had the windows wound up. And, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, uh, like a couple of times I was waiting there on the grid in my group to go out and the uh, marshals that are down in the pit, um, entry pit lane, like you sort of park on a 45 degree and take off in order of yeah. time if you know what I mean that you've um, done and he's come up and he's got like this in the, on the window oh, for listeners I'm pointing down to make it like he's asking me to uh, wind the window down and I'm sitting there shaking my head going nut nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me through I'm the window cool down. <laughs> yes but I sorry go on I was going to say, what's your uh, so in terms of uh, your times and the consistency that you were looking for how was it for me, for consistency, I was really pleasantly surprised. I actually strung a lot of laps together within a one to one and a half second window. And for me, that was the goal because I've struggled to consistently put lap times together, you know. So getting that a better understanding. Now, there's a lot of, I've got a, I've got a long way to go with regards to, um, you know, learning 
to drive tracks faster. Like I really should be about another three or four seconds faster. My car should be even more experienced persons behind the wheel. But the reality is I won't spend that time developing that craft, so mm-hmm. to speak, because of the opportunities to go on the track are, you know, realistically probably four or five times a year. I'm not going to go there every weekend. And, you know, like if you get, you get to a time quite quickly and then plugging away at that time does take some quite a bit of work. The um, I also use road tyres, not track tyres. So I use a yep. Pilot Sport 4S on my car, which great road tyre, okay track tyre, but in that heat particularly, the tyres were found wanting quite quickly. You know, it's uh, there's a, I had a lot of understeer in a, a lot of places, and yeah, it was it was pretty slippery dippery out there in those in that rubber on that heat. You know. So going going five or six times a, a year, if you did you know seven or eight times, then even throwing in the cost of two sets of tires a year, that's that's significant, isn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. Look, of, you know, I, th- I can't. I don't know what's a set of what's a set of, uh, you know, I'd have to put Cup Twos on there. It's the next logical tire or a P Zero or a Trofeo R or something like that, right? So that's going to cost me what another two and a half, three grand for rubber. Yeah. That sort of number, Joe. Mm-hmm. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. So. Do I need those extra two seconds that much? I don't, you know. And look, if I had another set of wheels, I'd probably consider it more to put those tyres on when I go to the track. But I use my car all week. So I'm using my car 99% on the road and 1% Mm. on the track. So it's better value for me, a better value proposition, my car ownership journey, to have those PS4Ss all year round, which I know are going to work in the wet. Yeah, because otherwise you would be looking at a second set of wheels, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, just keep the a second set on. might pop up, but I very specific because I've got um, PCCBs in my car. I have to have the twenty inch wheels. I can't go down to nineteens where all of a sudden yep. that opens up a whole stratosphere of tires. wheel options, tires, etc. But um, mm. but I do have to put the N rated tires on my car for servicing to maintain my extended factory warranty as well. So that's, do you know, the thing about the N-rated thing is, um, I, I feel like con, I don't know what I'm going to say, it feels like a bit of a con, because when you think about other performance tyres, you know, Pirelli have it, they go, oh, well, this is the approved Porsche, approved tyre, yeah, and yeah. yet in independent tests, some people might say, you know, your Pilot Sport or whatever is, is maybe a better tyre for in different conditions, but to, to then say, well, actually, you've got to have a P0 N-rated for your warranty. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's that got to do with a, a you know, a, a, a head failure or something like that? Yeah, look, I don't know. The, I, I 100% agree with your logic. But you try arguing logic with a German company. Let me know how you go. Oh, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> But, like, in, on tyre options on my car, N-rated, I think there is three Michelin options at the moment and two Pirelli options in my wheel sizes. So, mm. but to have that N-rating, you definitely pay a premium mm. for the tyres. No doubt whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it's probably, across the cost of the whole car, it's probably another five or $600 of over the non-N-rated equivalent of that exact same tire yeah and and, you know i say that 
when on my crusty 1998 I've got P0 Pirelli P0 and rated tyres all round <laughs> you do have in rated tyres on it yeah they are <laughs> so I just needed two new ones for the rear for the MOT just gone in November and and I searched high and low to get <laughs> the yeah, Pirelli yeah. P0s um, and they cost they, you know they cost about sort of £380 for a pair. Okay. No. Yeah. No, they actually cost... No, do they cost... No, they cost £480 for the pair. £240 each. See, so it's cheap, isn't it, Joe? For a pair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for the rear. So, which is kind of... For over here, that's high. How wide are they on the back of the... Um, mm. On the back of the 996? That's well. They are two... Oh, I can't remember. Two, two fives? Think? No, no, the rear. I'm not talking about the wheels in your remember. Golf. I know what you got in your 996. They're two six fives. That's yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Have you, have, Joe? Have you got in rated tyres on your GD3? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. So the um, are, are they cups? Cups. Yeah. Which are great tyre, except when it rains. <laughs> 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 when it rains, they're like uh, skates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. I found that out very early on. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just you've got to be very gentle with the throttle in the wet. Um, how how many sets of tyres you've been through in that car since you've had it? Are you still in original tyres? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've been through a few, but um, you know, uh, I've been through some tyres because of punctures near the sidewalls. Oh, really? Yep. So I had lost a pair of rears very early on. Which are sitting in my garage now. I made a made a little coffee table. Yeah, out. your trophy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, they're, 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 not too, they're not too worn. I just had a punch, both had a puncture at the wrong spot. But uh, no, look, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth set of tyres on the GT3. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, Ajmal, talking about garages, and, you know, and your garage envy you have over anyone that's got anything that even remotely resembles a carport, you should see the size of Joe's garage. Oh, mate, she's going to make me jealous now. <laughs> That's right, I forgot you're in there, mate. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got its own postcode, it's that big. Yeah, it holds a few no. cars. How, actually... how many, how many, how You'd have how many to be able to fit 10 in there, wouldn't you? Uh, 13. 13, okay, there you go. Yeah. 13, oh, God. <laughs> and you've still got, like, a working room as well. Yeah, that's so. right, and a workshop, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's, so. um, it, I, I didn't build the house, but uh, the previous owner. Yeah, it was did, clearly an yeah, enthusiast. Yeah, absolutely. Even that, even so that. So um, instead of... He's got my big space in like he builds kitchens. Yeah, well, I was going to say, is it? It's not um, a house with a garage attached. It's a garage with a house attached. The garage, in fact, is the largest floor of the house. So it's under the house, but it's the largest bit of single floor that there is. So um, yeah, it used to be. I think the guys at Builder it was most of it was a workshop. The front half was a car enthusiast part but uh, the rear half was a workshop but it's, it's huge so which is great it's the first time I've had a decent garage in my life yeah well it, well, it is a decent garage <laughs> <laughs> it's a decent garage yeah whereas I was trying to build a car decent is a understatement I'm, I'm going to do it I'm going to I'm going to build it myself I've got to go tomorrow and buy a pickaxe <laughs> this digging. is a conversation we're having about his garage each week it's just like I, I listened last week yeah so slab is um Planned or about to be laid, or like, I reckon he's going to mix the concrete by hand. No, 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 about to be laid because because when we started planning on having one built, it was going to be an oak framed three bay garage, mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of at the end of at the end of the garden where the driveway is and then my wife and I thought that's too big it's going to come too far into the garden so we're we're going to go two and a half bay but then all of the quotes that we had for the groundworks to get it ready were just as lockdown was starting and everybody just went nuts everything was doubled in price um you know from just normal um hardcore cement pouring labor everything was doubled so you know people were that's astronomical numbers just to get the ground ready to have a building on top of it. You know, you're talking 40,000 pounds and, and I'm there going, I could do that. And then, so I, I broke down all the quotes and I started looking, I started looking at the different things that they were saying, well, there's 3000 pounds for this. And, and, you know, by myself, I've gone and done that in three days yeah. by spending three hours a day doing it. And my wife's like, don't know if like should you be doing that and then I'll do, I've done the next thing which is two thousand pounds and I've done that in a day by myself and it's got to the point where I've I've got this kind of man maths map of how it's going to work I'll, I'll have to share it on Instagram this. Mark and it's, a, and it's about how it's going to work and how I'm going to do it adhering to you know the 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 rules of building such a building and what it's going to cost and how much effort I'm going to have to put in and what the overall materials cost is before the building goes on top. And I looked at it and I thought, that's that's doable. So the first thing I've got to do is buy a pickaxe. I, I genuinely believe the finished product. I've seen the plans on Instagram. Yeah. It's going to look amazing, you know, if it remotely resembles it. But I can't help but feel that the finished product is going to resemble a Tim Burton version of that design no there'll be no horror shows there'll be none of that it's gonna look like charlie and the chocolate factory's house right that they moved into the factory charlie chocolate factory house built by edward scissorhands no that's not gonna be it (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be great it's it's got to get to the point where i've built the base up I've put the hardcore down. I've got one of those, what do they call it? I've been looking at buying um, a compactor. I think they call it a jumping jack. Right. And you are so, so delusional. This is incredible. This is going to take I you 10 get, years to build. This sounds like one of those sort I of, can get um, them. grand designs episodes, you know, where you... He comes back in two years and sees it as one brick's been laid. Or the building inspectors come no, and say, yeah, <laughs> that's got to come down. <laughs> It's a, it's a grand design without the grand, uh, but it's it's going to have the you know the the wire mesh to give the concrete base uh, strength, and then it'll get poured on top, and then I'll just build on top. It'll be this is, you know, the whole thing's going to be a tragedy. Hey, um, <laughs> on a slightly just topic. say that and gloss over it. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, we've got plenty of ammunition of podcasts to come on what happens is on the world according to Ozma. <laughs> I have. On the table here, some books and magazines. You can see Ajmal, the listeners can't clearly. I did see that book straight away. And on the top there, I've got a recent version of Christophorus, right? Or Christophorus, however you want to call it. Do you get this, Joe? I did, no. I remember, I think it was a previous episode, the guy with his dressing gown getting out of his car is... um, it looks like he's wearing his dressing gown. He's in California, obviously, but I thought yeah, I'm not that's too a thing sure. to do. Yeah. But it's got Andre Lotter on the front. Andre, love you. Let's get you on the podcast soon. I think we nearly yeah. teed you up once before, but we will get you on, hopefully. Formula E driver for Porsche, by the way, everyone. He's got a beautiful uh, 2.7 RS on the cover of it. But my question on this magazine is, 
What's it for? Like, I subscribe to several car magazines. I've got some club magazines. I've got a 356 Club of Southern California magazine there on the table as well, which is a great yes. club magazine. I also get the 356 Club of USA one. But the Christophorus, I just don't get it. It's it, like it, it's to me, it's like it, it, it's been going forever, like since like the 50s or something. So it's been around a long time. It's an icon of the brand, but it is, it doesn't seem to provide anything more than the sales literature you see online these days. It's not actually, to me, it, it lacks soul as a product. It's, to me, it feels almost token these days. So for me, those those magazines, and I include the Porsche Post magazine, which is the uh, Porsche Club GP. Yeah, I've got a pile of them. Someone gave me about 30 of them. Yeah, and... I, I'm sorry, Porsche GP, but Mark, I would not bother going through them uh, because they are very much. And the thing they remind me of is uh, airplane magazines. Oh, you mean when you, say you airplane you mean in the flight flight magazines? You're talking about in the, the flight, yeah, in the seat in front of you, in the back of the seat in front of you, and and they're magazines that you would never read unless you're on an airplane with nothing else to read. And your you saw that magazine flat, and your battery's flat in your iPad. Exactly. That's it. You would never read that because in there, it's you know, there's nothing that grabs your attention that says, "Oh, that's a really interesting article," or, you know, that's something that I'm intrigued by. It's they're more, you know, they're they're very nice to look at. They're they're great quality in terms of what they're made from and and the way they're printed. But would it grab my attention? And I'd be reading through it and think that's a really interesting article. They're more. It's it's what they what you call a lifestyle magazine, I guess. And they're not. Do you, don't grab me. do you think there'd be anything less hygienic on planet Earth <laughs> than an aircraft back-of-seat magazine? No, sometimes I like to pick them up and just cough in them and fold them back <laughs> and put them back in. <laughs> Blow your nose into them and put them back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in this, in this day and age, the reason I bring this up is in this day and age of high-quality print media, it's real, like the only print media left tends to be high-quality, you know, that you're paying for. Now, I don't believe anyone pays for Christophorus. I believe it's a thing you get sent if you ever buy a Porsche. You pretty much get a lifetime supply of the things, I get the impression, right? From, and if you have never bought one, if you go to your Porsche dealer, they will give you a copy for free. So yeah. does that, is that, as a result, does that mean that they're producing a lower quality product to consume because you're not paying for it? I think there must be because you know when you think remember when we had Lee Sibley on right yeah so Lee's you know total 911 yeah and we talked about how um, print media is obviously being challenged by all the digital stuff that's now available YouTube uh, reviews yep. that are you know whereas before for a magazine shoot it takes days you've got to get the right weather you've got to get the right cars lined up they do it over a number of days. Mm -hmm. where someone just gets a, a GoPro and says, I'm going to do a review of a, whatever car and I'm going to have the car for an hour. Yep. And, and you know, it's it's more almost like a chat GPT regurgitation of a lot of other Aj reviews. Ajmal in a McCann video. Um, exactly. And the uh, the one that at the beginning says, this is not a review video. And everybody's <laughs> like, gone, this is a terrible review. And I've got, no, it's not a review. <laughs> but, but, but when I, we were talking to, you know, um, Lee and saying actually 
the, the quality of the photography, the editorial, it goes through so many layers of, you know, quality. And you feel like, you know, you get something that's worth holding on to and reading again. Um, but that was the week before the article that was published that I had been in where I was driving a, a 1973 911 Targa. Oh, that's what happened on the cover. It said, this is, this is they, Ag May driving this car. They, they misspelt my name on the cover so badly that you wouldn't know it was me. <laughs> and, and you, you're looking at it going, oh, no, Honestly, oh, Mum, this is me. Honestly, this is my moment of fame. I saw it in the local shop. You know, you're looking at the cover going, this, this can't be. <laughs> How? <laughs> it's a, oh, I shared that with Lee and his response was dope. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Joe? What do you think about Christophorus? Look, I've just opened up this page in it, which I've oh, been trying comic. to understand for a while. It, it's the cartoon section, this Porsche Teens page, and it's been featuring for uh, the last probably three years at least. I don't get it. Who's it for? No idea. I think it's for the author, basically, who actually put it together, thinks it's a great idea, but I'm not sure that it actually carries any value, but um, I, the previous, not this one that's come out most recently, but the previous version, I'm not sure that you noticed, it was about half the thickness of this one. Right. You know I've, I've got, I'll have it somewhere. It, and that was the one where, you know, I, I did get the impression that they've sort of lost a bit of interest in it. There's a huge it's almost like It's almost like the the... the Publisher has lost interest mm -hmm. in it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We need to get someone on from the magazine. Well, you know, it took you, you know, three weeks to do your homework. I know, but I did it though, and the quality was amazing. Yeah. No I, disputing that. I think the other thing though, if they stop producing this magazine tomorrow, would, he, would anyone notice? Oh, I think there'd be complaints. You know, there's a, there'll be some storeballs oh, complain yeah. big time. They'll make enough noise for everyone. Yeah, but that, the, the complainers would be the noisy customers that the company could do without. Yeah. But they wouldn't. Come on, have, a, have a flick through it. Look, who are their sponsors? Who are the advertisers? Are there some big ones in there? Oh, there's Porsche, Porsche Design. Well, yeah, of course they're going to be in there. But who are the big ones? I've got a dog in my lap at the moment, is, everyone, it, so it's a bit hard for me to read. Yeah, uh, you know, for a second, your dog's so placid, I only just realised it's a real dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I put pretend dogs in my lap all the time, actually. <laughs> yeah. Why oh, has Mark got a cuddly toy? <laughs> there are two years. I think three cuddly toy dashhounds in this room at the moment that my daughter's left in here. So that could actually happen. Who you got the ads for? Who's the ad on the back for? Tag Heuer? Tag, yeah. Uh, there's some jewellery companies that I've never heard of before who did, you know, several of them. There'd have to be some aeroplane manufacturer. They usually, that's the sort of brand that would advertise in Christopher's. Uh, yeah, tag, tag doesn't, it doesn't count because they're so closely associated with Porsche, aren't they? Uh, there's a racing collection shoes, Ariel. I can't even read their text. Very nice looking shoes, by the way. Um, if you got a fancy dress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Polyform furniture, never heard of them. No, nope, no. Nope. But the, just on that point, I mean, the other thing that's missing from this magazine, or is it here? But um, in our magazine, I'm sure in yours as well, the, you know, there was an Australian section, so there's a country-specific section. That's been disappearing. Ah, yeah, I think you're right. I have noticed that in the past. Yeah. A regional yes. section. The last few pages. That they must just do for each. Yes. For a US-specific one, an Asia-specific Asia one. Yeah, okay. 
Interesting. Mm, interesting. And um, the other magazine I've got there is the 356 Club of Southern California, which is a a club that's not too unlike in size to probably what the uh, Porsche owners of WA is. Yeah, it might be slightly larger, but it wouldn't be a lot larger. And it's all um, a volunteer club with volunteer um, contributors and things like that. And like any club, you know, you end up with six contributors and 250 members, you know, when they put together these magazines. But they actually do a pretty good job. I get that thing sent to me. I think I'm a member of... A member of that club is the, I'm not a member of the Australian 356 club anymore because I live almost as close to the Southern California one as I do to the where the base of the Australian one is over in Melbourne. So the um, there's you know I don't really get to any of the events over there, so I don't bother anymore. And these guys actually produce a great magazine each quarter, I think it is. So I've got a big pile of things over there. I've I've got I've got to ask Joe. I've got to go back to his 13 car garage. Um, <laughs> How many cars have you got in there at the moment? Um, six. But they are okay, two, two of the kids' cars. Um, uh, my wife has a McCann, which I don't, you don't like for some reason, I believe. Don't like SUVs, no. This is sick. I should only have it for a... You'd never get through customs in Australia not liking SUVs. She's only had it for a month, but it's a great car, yeah. GTS. Um, I love I love I love Utes. I love Utes though. Oh Utes, yeah. We've got a um I don't know whether you have Suzuki Jimmies in the UK, whether they oh, run, I love it. in. We love it. I love a Jimny. Which one is it? Is it the older one or the brand new one? No, brand new one. They're such terrible so love cars. <laughs> They're so basic inside and you pay so much money for such for the for the modern version of a Ladaniva. Well you didn't when so I bought it, they, the price has gone up dramatically. Oh, you've had it for a little while, have you? Yeah. I bought it new. Um, I think it was like 27 grand. Yeah, they're like 40 now. It's currently for sale for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but they are, they're, they're, even over here, you, you, buy, you, you buy a brand new one, you've got to wait. And then if you buy a second-hand one, you've got to pay thousands above what it would cost to buy a brand new one. Yeah. And they're in such short supply. And But when you see one on the road, they're so cool. I love them. And, and look, we've been, um, yeah, Australia's a big place, um, as, you, as you'd well know, but um, we've been up past Broome. We've been down in the chimney. Esperance. We've done sand driving. Yeah, yeah we're on the beach in Broome and... Uh, that's a long drive in a little noisy car. You know, the thing about that car... How many miles are we I saying, heard... talking here? Sorry? How many miles is that? How many miles is that journey? Miles, a thousand miles. How many cases is it? To Broome, from here. 1,200? No, no way. No way. Way more than that. It's like 2,500. Yeah. It's a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Oh, my God. See, this is the thing so, in Australia. You guys, you guys it's have like, no concept of a journey. It's like, like I'm hopping down to the shop. 1,500 k's to Exmouth. No more. It's easy 2,500 k's to break. Yeah, it could be. Anyway, it's a long drive, but uh, the thing I remember about that drive is um, we have a strong prevailing wind off the coast here. <laughs> and uh, driving this car um, near Exmouth, um, it was like taking a boat. I had the steering wheel pointed into the breeze at about 20 degrees, is but that the car's right? going straight. That's classic. <laughs> 
And uh, we can't, Ajma, we can't see on the screen for a sec because I'm just checking the distance to Brew. Did you go inland or up the coast? Up the coast. Oof. Okay. It's even worse. But on sand, it's a brilliant car because it's so light. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Well, we found that in our TIG one when we went up to, um, up to uh, Coral Bay. Yeah, it's about 1,100 kilograms. The, the Jimny? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm looking for the map here, aren't I? Okay, Ashmal, distance to Broome from Perth along the coast. Man, this is going to be a long trip. Those directions. Here we go. It's calculating. <laughs> That's a bloody long way. Yeah, the inland road is a long way. <laughs> it's a, it's a long way. It's still calculating. Yeah, it is still calculating. This is great radio, by the way, everyone. Yeah. So anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Broome famous for two thousand forty six k's inland. <laughs> Let's change the route. Over wow. Here. A 2,350 along the coast. That is a long drive. Yeah, look, this, yeah let's look. It's a long afternoon. Yeah, it was good fun. It's only 23 hours and 59 minutes of driving That's... nonstop. And look, it's... We drove 300 miles, uh, 200 miles yesterday and I was dying. <laughs> we didn't do it in one go. Hey, there, is, there is half... Where'd you stop? Um, we stopped at was, uh, Shark Bay... No, that's a long way off the road. You wouldn't have stopped Shark Bay. You yeah, did. You went all the way inland, to Shark, all the way yeah. out of Shark Bay. Yeah. Wowza. That's about hundred. That's about one hundred fifty k's off the road. Well, Exmouth is three hundred and fifty because you're going to go one hundred and eighty up, one hundred and eighty back. And um, we started Carajani, and then oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we did the full tourist thing. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it's, it's got a lot in common with the um, air cools. I mean, it's got the short wheelbase, lightweight. You feel it rotating on your backside, and it does a lot of rotating. <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, I don't know if you guys are aware, Ashmal and um, Joe, but the five-door Jimny gets released in Australia this year, in 2023. That's an Indian-built car, I think, isn't it? Or was it built for Same the Indian market? Right. So, yeah, but the, um, but the, they're expecting it to, sales to more than double the existing Jimny sales, because of how many more people are going to be considering buying it now that it's got four doors. Hopefully it's got some decent suspension. But it looks out of proportion. It doesn't, it doesn't look doesn't as, look as cool. dinky, I guess. As the, yeah, but I feel like that when cool. I see, I feel like that when I see a, you know, the new model Defender, when I see a four door, I think, meh. When I see a two door, yeah. I think, woohoo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. Exactly. It's just out of proportion it looks. Because I've seen the mock-ups of it and I've seen some promo photos of it and you just think, no. That's not the same. It's like when you see... It'll know, sell. Have you seen those, um, the two-door G-Wagons? You know, the ex-Austrian army stuff, thing, things that come up on cars and bids occasionally or on um, collecting cars. Those yes. things look unreal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the same about the proportions of them. Yeah, yeah, you know? it is. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. All right then, boys, well... Um, I did see a... I think, I think that's... No, I was uh, going to say, I did see a new... I did see a new G-Wagon, you know, one one of those really pimped up ones in Matt Gray yesterday in a car park, and I just shook my head and walked back. <laughs> I, tell you, I, I would love you guys to win Lotto at home and your wife come home with one. Um, well, mine would have to be in a chrome gold wrap. Chrome. <laughs> 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 well, 
But you're not in Saudi now. <laughs> it's just, you know, it'd be like pipping it up, put my ride. Oh, classic. Yep. All right, then, well, let's, uh, we've been going for about an hour, an hour and a half, uh, sorry, an hour 15 now, so um, I reckon we'll, we'll call it. Thank you very much for your time today, Joe. Thanks, guys. Lovely meeting Thanks, you. Joe. Yep. And uh, Ajmal, get hold of the um, publication staff at Christophorus and get, let's get them on and have a chat about where their hopes and dreams are and what they're doing with their magazine. Reach out to them. Let's do it. I, I will have uh, a guest lined up for next week, I reckon. Do you? Interesting. Yep. I won't say who it is yet. Good, good. <laughs> Just in case it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next week, we're going to hear about an influential song that affected Ajmal in his youth, leading into yep. next week's podcast. Any listeners out there, drop us some comments. Let us know what you think it's going to be. Because yeah, I, I just, just as a, uh, just as a hint, I just want to tell you know, give a clue, uh, club. Tropicana drinks are free. Okay. Here's your hint, everyone. All right, then. <laughs> have, have a great Thank day, you. boys. Thank you.